bronche, bronche. That's how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who stay busy with their lunch. Yo anda bochinche. Paquete con pinche. You know what they said? Got too busy, got too thinking. Aquí en esta mesa se respeta como ñón. Si la copa está llena, yo te doy la bendición. So what if we get batches? We from the Bronx. That's it. Don't get it twisted. We be going to Manhattan. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brunch are popping off. Hey, we pop, pop, and pop it off. We, we pop, pop, All pop right. The episode's about to start. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I am Julissa. What's good, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, I am super fucking thrilled to have the BX queen in the building. A woman who I honestly, I think when you think about a boss and you see her, you're like, yes, there she is. That is a boss in full embodiment. <laughs> Carmen, who the fuck are you? Woo-hoo! Hi guys, <laughs> BX Queen in the house. I just want to thank uh, Ladies at Brunchet for this beer and this interview. Yes. Thank you so much for having me this fine day. Uh, but I am retired from uh, Montefiore as a um, supervisor for internal medicine. And I currently help out as the manager of operations for Bronx Native. So a little bit BX Queen. Where did that name come from? Uh, I always identify myself as a queen. 718 is the old school number for uh, all of New York mainly, but I feel like the Bronx utilized it the most. Yes. And then BX is, you know, who raised me. You know, I was born in, in, in Dade, but, you know, the BX raised me, so I have to put that there. What is one of your favorite things about growing up in the Bronx? So I did not grow up uh, in the Bronx. I came here when I was 18 years old. And um, I think my favorite thing was to move and come into this big city with opportunities uh, and basically the borough chose me, you know, I, I didn't choose the borough. So, uh, the Bronx has my heart. Absolutely. So I love, I'd love to hear a little bit about sort of your journey outside of Montefiore and just like, I feel like outside of uh, assisting with operations and, and Bronx native, there's just a way in which you are such a good networker, but you're also such a good caregiver. Like I, every time I'm in a space with you, you are holding shit down and running things. And I imagine that working at Montefiore taught you a lot of this management, but I feel like there's something about you and your story where that came a little bit naturally and it wasn't just about your work experience. I would have to say, Julissa, that you are absolutely yeah. correct. You nailed that <laughs> one on the nose. <laughs> uh, I, I come from a very large family. Um, I'm the oldest of nine younger and the middle of four older. So uh, the four older already were out the house. So basically I was the oldest and having to take care of nine kids. So uh, organization was necessary in that magnitude of a family size. Mm. I'm interested to know like what your, I'm interested to know what your history with hair and makeup is because every time I see you, your hair is different, your makeup is deep. Like, were you a makeup artist? Are you a makeup artist? No, no, I was such a tomboy. You don't even understand how much of a tomboy I am. 
Really? Yeah, it was actually moving to New York City. I went to, you know, Times Square, young girl, like in a big city. And it's just like, wow, look at this Sephora. I thought Sephora at the time was Louis Vuitton and makeup. So you couldn't even tell me anything. And I was like, well, I know the slightest thing to do, but I thought that the jars were beautiful, you know, Dior and all that. And I was like, you know, I want to try this out, but I just have the slightest idea. And I had the best worker at Sephora. I wish I would remember his name so many years ago, but he came in and was like, girl, them cheekbones and those spaces and your eyes, everything, let's get it. So he he taught me in that 15 minute interim of doing my makeup at Sephora, how to do makeup. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I have been taught and still continuously failed to, to be properly. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. And your fashion, I think to Skittle's point though, like your fashion too, like you're just always so what like like you always honestly like like a celebrity, like you walk into spaces and the way you occupy and the energy that you bring, it, it's like such celebrity energy in a good way, in a way that it's kind of like you draw attention and you command spaces in such a good, in so many good ways. That's why I'm always like, yeah, that's a boss. Yeah, that's the embodiment of a fucking leader. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the, the statute of celebrity that you're speaking about is I had to walk into rooms at Montefiore because I was the boss, right? I had mm. to walk in and you have to show a, stir- a certain sternness for people to, you know, respect. A lot of these people that I had to oversee were old enough to be my mom or my grandmother or my aunt. And I never wanted to be, uh, you know, always follow my, my, my upbringing and being respectful to, to my elders. But at the same time, I was their boss. So... It's like, okay, well, let's walk into this room and just show standard because that first five seconds of attention are the rest of the, 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 the views of how somebody is gonna see you. Mm. And I don't wanna walk in to any room from that moment and think like, damn, should I have walked in differently? Or should I do this? I just picked one way and that's just walking with my head up high, my shoulders laid back mm. and you know, dressing up is, you know, the old school Spanish way. Like before you go to the doctor, they tiene que limpiar el fundillo and put on your fucking socks and make sure they're clean and let me verify you ain't got no doo-doo stays. And then you go to the doctor. So, <laughs> you know, this is, this is what it is. This is, you know, uh, you know, Latina, welcome to me life. <laughs> and, what, and what actually, what ethnicity are you? I actually don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's where the two bottle of wines need to come in because it gets oh, a little complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so um, biologically, I am, my mother's descendant of Germany and my father is Afro-Cuban. Mm. So I was put up for adoption when I was six and uh, with my brother and my sister and uh, we were adopted by a Puerto Rican family. So all of my, my roots and my Latin, it, it comes from the Puerto Rican, you know, Christmases and the pateles and all, mm-hmm. the, all, all that comes wrapped up for a Puerto Rican family. But um, in 07, my Cuban family found me on MySpace. And wow. as you can see, we were on vacation. You, you, I don't know if you guys got to meet them, but I don't think so. But yeah, they... We've been inseparable since 07 since, and 
where they found my mom and my dad as well. And my parents actually got back together. It was disgusting, but you know, get cute. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a story. That's, I had, I never, I didn't know that about you, but that actually makes sense because of the level of tenacity you display. Like you actually, mm -hmm. like you carry a warrior's heart. I think that that's what it is. I use the word celebrity, but it's more like when warriors walk in the room or like start to see like, oh, okay. Like something lets you know that that person yeah. carries something with them. And it, I think there's like this like secret invisible sword that you walk around with that is like gentle and kind, right? But also like we'll cut if need be. Um, yeah, they're my titties. <laughs> I carry my balls on my chest, girl. <laughs> so we know, you know, the world is going through some crazy times and there's been a lot going on with, yes, the pandemic. Now we have an election going on and here you are at the center of it all, helping run a, a business, essentially. How are things mm -hmm. going? How has this pandemic been treating you? Um, and what things are you excited for in this upcoming year? So it has been definitely a roller coaster. Um, it has been emotional and uh, great all at the same time. And I say that with, you know, upside and, and, a, and a heavy heart and a happy heart all at the same time because there's just so much emotions that went on during that time of quarantine. Um, the business was struggling for a minute. We didn't know uh, where it would go. And, you know, the aspect is that we have a duty for the Bronx, right? We have a duty to keep this store open and how can we do that? And really went back and forth on that table, uh, trying to figure out what we can do to keep it afloat. Uh, Amaudis came up with the idea of emptying out the whole shop and um, putting it inside of a friend's basement and where they can do fulfillments online since we had to be social distancing. And um, he just kept posting like his regular day, you know, he was doing some of the lives and talks and then he, it dawned on him like, we were not gonna make it out of here. It's just not enough. Everyone is scared. How can we really come up with the big plan if we don't get these loans? Cause not much mm -hmm. money was coming to anybody in the fucking Bronx, you know, it was, you know, just scarce at that time. So I, I said, I think that you're gonna have to put that pride aside and you're gonna have to start this GoFundMe if we're gonna save this shop. And um, he was very skeptical about it, but he was like, you know what, but what if I do it? And you know, the, he's the creative there. And, uh, and just have something for the for people who are in their houses to, to watch, right? To see, just instead of just asking for a GoFundMe, you know? Uh, so he ended up making, a, wanted to make a, a small video. And um, that video, you know, I, I kind of directed a little bit. I was like, instead of you just standing here, why don't you go on the roof and walk up the stairs and hold the sign on the roof and I'll record you. And then you just do your edits and stuff. And he was like, okay. And then the freaking bodega cat, I couldn't even imagine, like he did his whole cameo on his own <laughs> and showed up and it was just like, I just saw it as a sign, like we're gonna be okay. We're gonna, you know, the Bronx 
always rises and we're gonna be okay. And we were blessed and it's been nonstop ever since and, and, and more energy than ever to just keep thriving. And, mm-hmm. and, and the people, the people, they just, they do, they, they're always there. We've seen so many more people coming into the shop and, and just happy that it's still there. Yes, yes, and and we're yes. happy. I mean, I I'll speak for myself. I'm happy to see that you guys were able to survive that because I think it's really it's really hard to watch people work so hard and then have something completely out of their control be the thing that like tosses everything up in the air and like yeah. had such random things like I'm I'm no longer working at the company I was working at before but then it almost feels like there was a weird period where you're like you know when you're free falling you're like uh oh we really don't know how we're gonna land and that's fear there was yeah fear that. and now I feel like I'm at the period where we're like still falling but seeing a landing somewhere close and so it's like <laughs> all right at least I know what I'm falling into even though I'm still falling and so I think for a lot of businesses um you know we're in that period but for you guys I'm really happy to see that there is a target at the bottom for you guys that you will hit yeah will yeah continue to hit and and rise up for so congrats for yes. that oh thank you thank you thank you i think that the most that i want to see happen from now is just a bigger space just to do what we do and in a bigger platform you know it'll definitely happen with the way you guys are hustling for sure for sure for sure so Carmen, we're going to get into our brunch questions. And the first question is, when you go out to brunch with your girls, what is your go-to brunch bebida? It is a glass of Riesling. Ooh. Ooh. Even at brunch? Yeah. A whole, it's a whole bottle, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so what's your go-to brunch plate when you're, when you're, with your Riesling? Like plate or place? Plate. 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 Like go to order. So it just depends on the restaurant. And I, as you guys uh, can see, uh, I go to many restaurants. I have a problem, but I cannot choose a plate. There's a specific plate for a specific place. Uh, if it's my Soneta, it's their cheese and fruit plate that goes great with wine. Um, I usually pair anything with the wine. So each place has something that pairs good with the wine. Okay. That's such a, I was gonna say innovative, but to me, innovative <laughs> to brunch, because usually it's like people show up to brunch and it's like, all right, whatever they give, that's a limited, that's it, that's my choice. And people don't necessarily think about, no, I have a very specific experience I wouldn't have. And that's what I came to do rather than find- I don't want hangovers. <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. what <laughs> I got too much. You got to help run a business. You know, I can't be waking up tired. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fact. So so Carmen, tell us a little bit about what it was like when you would go out to eat growing up, whatever age period resonates the most with you. Like what was that experience like? Girl, it would be Sunday after church when we were allowed to get McDonald's. Yes. Amen. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Like, wait, we get in the nuggets today? Yeah, <laughs> you know it would have nuggets. to be that. Like after church, Sunday eating is always what resonates the most, and I carried that on uh, all the way down to my kids. Like today, Sunday, I'm gonna you know cook uh, Sunday dinner. Yes. What are you cooking today? It's rainy out. 
Today is going to be Southern food. I'm going to make smothered pork chops with some baked mac and cheese, some collard greens, some so we're coming stuffing, over, some candy yams. I mean, you guys can come over. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> La dieta just went from my head. I'll Yo, <laughs> that mac and cheese. Uh, it's mac and cheese season. It's officially after Halloween. Listen, it's so. mac and cheese season. And mine is creamy with seven different cheeses. Girl, don't play games. Do not tell me what a good mac and cheese. I love it. So tell us, so tell us what is your favorite bochincha topic to talk about when you're out to brunch? Mmm, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I usually gossip a lot about celebrity current events. Mm. I really love to see the trifling stuff because it just makes me feel like they're just as human as we are. And mm -hmm. they don't matter how many zeros, you're still gonna fart and, and, and take a shit, you know? But um, I would say that the most topic with my girls, you know, the bochincha about the men, you know, men bochinche mm -hmm. talking about other how good they are or how they ain't shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's either or. Always. Yep. Never in between. There's never in between. Never, 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 never. It's like that nigga ain't shit this week, but tomorrow maybe is a better day. <laughs> I love it. I feel like honestly, bochinche, like talking about men and boys like I've always loved it and it still remains like even though I know there there's important things and there's like I like talking politics and all that shit but really you want to talk to me you want to get me yapping let's start talking about how niggas ain't shit and out that's yeah. on that's on politics is on Wednesday evening dinner that's not brunch <laughs> <laughs> I love it's on Wednesday girl that's a fact <laughs> all right well now we're gonna move into our cheers to the ladies who section where we shout out dope people doing dope shit and this week mr jaden michael who was the star of vampires versus the bronx has been cast to play Cal colin kaepernick in a six episode drama um that netflix is producing on his life and the and the point of the of the thing is that it's supposed to show like the journey that he had going into football and how actually his whole life him being a black man has been a piece of how he's had to advocate for himself in order to get to where he's gotten which i think is super cool because everybody thinks of Kaepernick as like, oh, uh, a athlete who got woke as opposed to somebody who's been woke their whole life, but hasn't necessarily, didn't necessarily be introduced to us that way. But that doesn't mean that it came out of nowhere, which I think puts everything into perspective. In a really yes. so yeah, 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 definitely. On, on this, this, this uh, film being made, on the fact that we have young Jaden getting cast, also yes. Vampire versus the Bronx that you guys might have after watching it. Yes. I mean, I, we love to see it. We love to see a, a young Black actor getting his, getting his, you know, spotlight. He was really cute in, in the Bronx versus Vampires, um, or Vampires versus the Bronx. He was adorable. So, like, I'm excited to see it. Like, Likewise. I think that um, it's important to talk about these conversations and put those on, on, on people who have 
experience that themselves to play these roles, you know, instead of someone who's never experienced any type of, you know, prejudice or any type of like uncomfortability in a circle, you know, it's, it's better acted, you know, for him to go here coming from the Bronx and, and, and doing his thing on, you know, one platform and then going to this bigger platform where he probably can relate, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch and I'm very excited for him. Yeah, I think I, when I was watching uh, Vampires versus the Bronx, it was like, first of all, I got excited because his character was Dominican and I don't know if Jaden himself is Dominican, but like the fact that there was a Dominican lead in anything was really exciting for me. And I was just like, God, he's so good. Like he's such, I mean, they all the, all the kids were talented. My whole, Mm -hmm. my whole recap was like, if they could take stranger things and recast it with the kids from that movie, Yes. I I mean, like, can we even just talk about, can we even just talk about like vampires versus (laughs) the Bronx and like, um, just like how intentional it was in the sense of like just the funny moments even like, and that big like last fight scene when the girl like walks up and hits the vampire with her Tim and like all you do is see like the Tim fall on the floor. Uh, And like, it's just like that, just even just like that shot and that call out was like so (laughs) funny and specific. And it was just, it was a cute movie. So Bronx. (laughs) Yes, yes, so very Bronx. So Bronx, at the very last moment, I will throw everything, but damn it, now I gotta throw my Tim. (laughs) On Tim's, yo. It was time to break the tip out. I loved the way they, um, when they did the shots of the courthouse and it was like, clearly they had like photoshopped and shrunk the actual like courthouse and what it looks like so that it fit the movie. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Cause I was doing that whole, like, did they shoot in the Bronx? Did they shoot in the Bronx? And they did shoot um, a lot of it in the Bronx, but I thought it was so hilarious. Cause after a while, when they would show the shot of the, of the courthouse, I don't, I almost don't want to spoil it and say too much of what happens in the movie, but we know that that's an important spot. But after yeah. a while, time they kept showing it, I'm like, they fucking with us. Like they know the people from the <laughs> That is not how the courthouse looks. It is like 10 times bigger. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. It, it would have been so fun though, if they had a cameo of the borough president coming out and like walking back in, like something going on when they had the fight scene. <laughs> I was waiting to see Diaz Jr. I actually low-key at one point, I thought, ooh, watch Roxanne have some sort of cameo. Like I thought that they that there would be more Bronx. There was a lot of Bronx. I was really happy to see what was there, but I'm like, I'm looking for part two. Like I'm trying to see how they really gonna raise up and, and bring more of the Bronx into that. But again, now that we're creating art like this, I mean, the fact that it got remade was important, right? And it opens the door because it did really well on Netflix. Like it's now gonna open the door for more people who wanna tell stories from the Bronx or places like the Bronx yeah. to have it be authentic because that was the one thing like, all, like even with all the jokes aside, it did feel authentic. I did not feel like somebody just tried to take the name of the Bronx to try to make some money and run away from the Bronx. Yeah. Community yeah. and a lot of community faces were also involved. So, so, so a fun fact about that movie is we actually a year ago had got invited by the director to have a private screening of it, Ooh. and we saw it in advance before it reached Netflix. Nice. And we we went to uh, the the director actually works for as a as a writer in SNL. And uh, he was definitely, when he came out to speak, uh, you know, from his own words and, and just 
understanding how important it was to encapsulate the Bronx as much as possible because it was important. And he knew that importance to the people from here that we're going to see it. We're going to pay attention to every single detail. And mm -hmm. if you're going to do it, you need to be as authentic as possible. And I think that he really gasped that way before even creating it. And he's just a, a very awesome, humbling person. And we, we, he was very nervous, but he, he loved it. And, um, and I loved it. And, and Maudie's definitely loved it. He kept clapping and just wanted to have, you know, <laughs> more of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that he, I agree with you. It, he really did his thing and we should definitely see it in a more series kind of layout. Yeah, yeah, because even the theme, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I can talk about that movie forever. I was just so proud, and I think it came yeah. at the time, because in the middle, it's, you know, we're in this pandemic, things feel so hopeless, and then you have this, like, ode to the Bronx, and it just, like, boosted, like, after watching it, I was like, oh, this movie's lit. I was, like, <laughs> yeah. just so overwhelmed with love for the Bronx, and I was just like, oh, I'm so proud to be a Bronxite. Um, but <laughs> I, I also appreciated just the metaphor of the vampire and gentrification. Yes. And I was like, see, because like these are conversations that are happening in our community. And I thought it was so important to highlight that that is a very real thing that is happening. And it's very real. Yeah. And, and, and also though, that it's a complicated conversation because I love that they started it with this Dominican, shout out to Zoe Zaldana, like this Dominican mm -hmm. hair <laughs> that she was ready to move wherever the fuck she was, I think upstate or something like that. She was ready yeah. to move and she was ready to leave and like, I think that like oftentimes people see the transformation of the of the Bronx and they maybe have some misconceptions around why certain things are happening. And so sometimes we label things or we're quick to label some of our own community people as enemies of the community because of the means with which they have to work with to make shit happen, right? So it's kind of, I feel like, as long as you, I always tell people, listen, if you still order from Amazon, you don't have a good moral compass. Like that's always a bad place to start from, right? So when we are having these conversations around gentrifications and, and communities and businesses, I think we have to extend the grace that in the same way some of us feel like, damn, but we really need Amazon even though it's evil. Think about some of these business owners. Do you think that some of the decisions that are being made are coming from a place of, oh, well, fuck the Bronx? Or is it that it's kind of like, uh, for the Bronx and, and for this to happen? yeah, this is, this is what has to be done, right? And I yeah. wonder how we can, this is, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm posing this question for the listeners. I wonder how we can have these conversations and stop demonizing each other and try to meet each other at the table to really have these conversations and understand why people are making the decisions they're making because then you get into this battle war of talking shit and all this subs and stuff online when really like everybody's just trying to make it work for the borough because we're all from here and we want to see it succeed. And I don't like that we're making enemies of each other. I want us to be able to have yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally have to agree with you. It is one of my biggest pet peeves is the moment you come across money as a person from the inner city, a person of color, a person of ethnic background, the first thing that we go and do is go buy shit or we go and rent shit from a building that was built because it looks nice and we want to have some type of stature to look accepted to who nobody in the hood's gonna pay attention oh, that nigga just went over there and did whatever and after a while it just stops being a conversation but they were sitting here paying you know for these skyscrapers in the middle of the fucking south rocks but 
you know, it just, it just makes me so angry that, uh, that this is the first thought process. And I think that the conversations that need to happen in those gatherings is to stop having that damn fucking thought process. We don't have time to sit here and pay somebody else's freaking shit, right? Some white person done came, done built something pretty in the hood, and hey, you, you know, 40% of you can come stay here too. Fuck you, I'll go buy something. You know, we need to buy, we need to own. I cannot exhaust enough how much in my time growing up and seeing what I've seen and, and, and just seeing different perspectives of that. You know, I grew up suburban in South Florida. My mom flipped houses. We, we grew up well but it doesn't change the fact that we still were people of color, right? We don't get accepted in the <clears throat> like, oh, you want to buy this house rejected. You want to buy this house rejected. It wasn't easy, but now we have such of these platforms. We have services. We can make it easy. You have to choose to want to. And I think that that's the people, the people, if they choose to change their narrative, they choose to change how they want to come about growth it has to start with changing that 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 image that you need, you know, all the, this money to be spent on something that you don't even own, you know? Right. And I think I think another added layer to that is like for people who are really radical in their protection of the Bronx, which honestly I appreciate and I'm here for because like sometimes it's, it's, I feel like we need both. We need a bit of both. We need the people who are like really staunch, like I don't care like, you know, how great this opportunity is if it doesn't feel clean or if the people don't have integrity, then like, no, then you're not allowed. I don't care if it'll benefit. But I do think that there's middle ground where the other side of the voice, it's kind of like, okay, okay, okay. But then maybe there's a way we can still take the benefit, but hold them accountable in the way that we can do it in a community so that it can be both. Because like, for some people, it's gonna like the catch up period to be able to say, I'm gonna buy this, we're gonna run this, we're gonna start it from the ground. A lot of people are coming from a lack of resource that's really, really deep and that's real. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but you know what I, but then there are the people who are presented with opportunities from entities that they that other people might deem negative, but to them, it's kind of like, what's negative about it? No one else is helping me and this is help. And what I'm gonna do yeah. is take it. But then I'm yeah. going to reframe it and own it in a particular way. And I think that, yeah. um, you know, like you guys do a good job of that in that you guys are doing community events. You're mixing everywhere. Like I can say personally from our experience with you guys, you guys, there's never been a no. There's never been a shady. There's never been a like, ooh, there. No. It's always very community oriented, right? But people can take one piece of information and then demonize the whole thing and then anything that's associated with it. And it's not necessarily conducive, right? Right, because- right. Is that it, it's not it's not they have it all the way off they're all the way way off with the story and 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 a lot of that negative that comes in I think we just always do more positive is the right. way that we have an adverse effect to that and it's like if 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 there is so much of this negative please please, please show us you know we're here we're open for conversation but but at the end of the day, um, it's owning something and owning that with your community because we don't own it by ourselves, you know? I, I like to, Amaldis likes to really emphasize that he, he doesn't own it, it's the communities, you know? And he says that quite, quite frequently, you know? And, and it's just like, 
And that's what it is. People walk in in the community, it's a home and you walk in and, and it feels like home and that's their aspect of it. And that's what we keep up on that. And, and money that's spent to do that is, is well money spent, you know, because it's, it's for the next generations hopefully to come. And the generation after that, like we're just, we're tired. You know, we're tired of everyone talking crap about the Bronx. So what? We're from the Bronx. You don't like it. You ain't got to step foot there. But when you do, trust and believe it's going to blow your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. I see the Bronx is a great, <laughs> great community. And not just because I'm from here, because there are other parts of New York that I also love. You know what yes. I mean? I have no problem repping. But like people shit on the fucking Bronx consistently. And it's one yeah. thing, we can have nice things too. We can build nice things too. Um, and we have community members that are willing to do it. And again, granted, people have different methods and ways of doing it, but the point of it is that it needs to be done. And so I think we, as people who are unifying to be the, the Bronx people versus the quote unquote vampires that yeah, mm -hmm. side, you might look at them and be like, are they, teasing with the vampires maybe but maybe not and if you're not sitting down at the table with each other to get some clarity and to say hey mm -hmm. these aren't the way i would like but here's some advice versus your methods aren't the way i don't like boo shut you down burn it to the yeah ground. yeah it's kind of like okay so then so then we we're sacrificing our people we're like that's it birds mm -hmm. like that's it you know we can do better we are doing great so far tell them girl we flourish uh, here's to that and cheers to that. Oh, can I have some? <laughs> All right, so now let's move into our Tuta Loca Is. Speaking of the Bronx, right? We're going to call out motherfuckers doing the most Bronx. But last night, y'all had me fucked up because I woke up to a <sighs> news headline talking yes. about a warehouse party not far from my home. Um, 550 people busted in a warehouse party here in the Bronx. And there were 21 people who were linked with planning this. All of them got arrested, but then they got released afterwards because they just got like ticketed and summoned. But like, I was looking at- 550. 550 people. Trying to find out where that my invite was at. First of all, that was, yeah. to, that was about to be like, first of all, Carmen, I want to know where you there. <laughs> no i'm kind of mad i wasn't you know but no i was not there uh i actually went to a small family gathering that might have seemed like on my ig story i was there but i wasn't there uh but yeah i woke up to the same article and i'm just like holy crap like somebody caught my idea but they should have social distanced now but um <laughs> but yeah that's crazy that uh you know, it's so important on a real serious note that we need to take COVID to that serious point um, where we need to really keep our elderly that we do have left in this world safe because we can contract that we could be walking around with it and we'll be fine. We could still go and shake a tail feather and go to brunch and don't have any kind of symptoms. And it's scary because you don't want to infect another person that goes and affects another person that goes and affects that elderly person that's been so careful, you know? Just because we're with our family, it still doesn't make it better, you know? Because yeah. you still have to go outside. You still have to do stuff. I think practicing precaution and, 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 and washing of the hands as my medical background, mm -hmm. it, it, it is so important to wash the hands. 
it is such a, a minute little bacteria that dies instantly with some soap and water. And if it gets through the nasal and it breaks through that, you know, that's where you have the problem. So just good hand hygiene, just we'll try our best to get this together, you know? And by the looks of that party, um, focus my hours without washing their hands or nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm over here looking at it and it said- They were twerking. They talking about they had two DJs fucking a walk up I saw the video, there was twerking involved. And a food truck. Like, yes, first off, food truck. I first didn't see off, food truck. I, like, I got in trouble too, by the way. And part of those 21 summonses were also the businesses that were involved in, in the event. Listen, I'm like, happy. I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here, I'm not gonna sit here and lie and act like I wouldn't enjoy a nice party. Like I I I feel like I could go for a nice party. But come on, people. It is a pandemic. 500 is a lot. We're literally about to get into this season where they're saying that we're going to experience a spike again. Why would you? Why? Why are we playing with 500 people? Yeah. 500 people? You could have broken into segments of 20. (laughs) Right. Do shifts. Look like that. Do shifts. Why why a warehouse? Why a warehouse? They felt the need to fill it up with that many people at capacity. They said 25% capacity? Sure, let's get a warehouse. I need 200, 500 people. <laughs> That's 25% capacity. That's yeah. what they were thinking. Oh and it's so funny because recently, honestly throughout COVID, you hear a lot of these crazy stories coming out of Brooklyn. So when I saw the Bronx, I was like, come on, man. We were winning. <laughs> we were winning. Yes, we really, we really were winning. Um, but I hope honestly, like, at the end of the day, I hope both that it was worth it and that people like, got what they needed, but also that them getting what they needed didn't necessarily cost anyone their health. So And yeah, that, yeah. that what they needed didn't include COVID. Yeah, I really hope that they were sick. I mean, I just, like, I get it. Listen, I've traveled during COVID. Actually, we've all traveled during COVID. So, like, yes. really, we are not the ones who are so afraid that are in their house and, like, not stepping out. But there is a safety and a control that exists in the yeah. traveling. That is safety practices. Warehouse with 550 people on Halloween. And they, ha- they had, like, I heard they found, like, I forgot how much, like, boxes of alcohol that was, like, no license. Just, like all this stuff and you know when people get messy drunk like already like you're not following rules let alone remembering to wear a little mask or wash your hands so you know i'm Listen, i'm singing every day that i'm never gonna dance again but damn it i ain't walking into a 500 plus party in a warehouse that's what i'm that's saying that's what i'm saying because <laughs> it also begs to like who at this party is worth you potentially getting this virus that even though we we haven't necessarily seen loads and loads of people dying as of late, you still don't really know how it's going to affect you. And to bring up that same point of being asymptomatic and yeah. that, like that that one part of like not knowing how it will affect you, people just really have to think more. If there's a there are ways to party and turn up without being so reckless and. Yeah, that was extremely reckless. Extremely (laughs) reckless. Yeah. But you know, the Bronx has done it again. (laughs) (laughs) Again, what I was—we've made headline news. 
<laughs> Tinder because I bet you all, because that party was near my house, and I bet you mad of the motherfuckers live near me, and let me fucking swipe and get a little too comfortable trying to get a little dick, and I'm going to catch some 5,500 people germs on that dick. Were you at the party that so date? I'm sorry, we cannot speak. Sorry. Back up six feet. And <laughs> like, said party, please, please do not swipe on me. I do not want to connect. Ah, <laughs> yes, the bronze. Ooh, this looks good. Oh my God, this is delicious. I definitely want to taste that. All right, well, let's now move into our main topic, our plate of the day. So we are continuing our series this month around being black in the military. Uncle Sam says we need you, but why join, right? So Carmen, I, you know, I I mentioned before, like I had a misconception of what your relationship is with the military. And not only was I wrong, but it's actually goes deeper and is more robust in terms of the network you have around you. Which, which is super interesting to me. I personally only have one cousin who served in Iraq and did a few tours there. And so that was my insight. And for me, um, he joined right before 9-11 happened. So then it was like one of those things where he was already in and he was too young, or he was too fresh to be sent to Afghanistan at the time. But then time passed and he got trained up, got sent to Kuwait. And then after Kuwait, went to Iraq and, and fought in the Iraq war. Um, so my relationship is very, very narrow with the military because I come from a place of a traumatized, cause he was my cousin, but like my brother. So like having my brother at war during a time where like I'm in high school and I literally think that America's gonna have a 9-11 number two. I really think like, you know, like my cousin's gonna die in war and, and everything is bad. And I hated George Bush and Republicans are bad and the military, follows the Republicans and that was it. Like it was so, so close-minded. But I'd be interested to hear from you, Carmen, both what your journey was leading up to you joining what happened and just sort of the general like feeling that you've had around the military overall. So um, I, for some reason, maybe it's in my DNA, uh, from a young age, it, it was my dream to join the military. I think that the reasons, uh, like I said, I was a tomboy. I loved structure. I loved organization. And I loved to do things in a timely manner and, and execute it efficiently, right? And what job is the best to do that under those kind of circumstances is the military. Um, the only other option would be a police officer. That wouldn't have been no option. But, uh, you know, the military always was, was something connected to me. So I went into junior high uh, helping uh, children with disabilities. And it was already starting my college application. A lot of community service, a lot of understanding of how, you know, personalities are. And then I got into high school. And that's where, you know, they had ROTC as an elective mm. and I, and I chose it and, and I did a lot of, you know, PT, the, the basics of what would happen in preparation for the military, mm. layman's terms, words used. So I trained for four years in high school uh, for an ROTC for the Marines. Mm. So I was very happy. I was going to go in at a higher stature. Uh, ready to go, ready to serve the country. And I just felt like there's certain people built for that. You know, 
for those who aren't, it just, it, you have to be selfless, right? There, there, there's not many people out there that are selfless in order to serve a country, to protect others. That's the way that we, and I can say myself is how I image that. I need to protect my family. And so much I do that with everyone. I, I never realized as time went that I do that with everyone. So people who join the military are very selfless. Uh, they definitely want to protect what's theirs in their country and however means necessary. Um, my mentor, uh, who I think of as a, as a mother, uh, served in the Vietnam War and she's just the boss bitch, you know? And, and I love her so much to this day she still will carry her rifle inside of a closet and you could see that post-traumatic <clears throat> stress at its full capacity, right? As it's home where a person you talk to every day and as they get older, how it just resonates a little bit more. And I just feel like if our governments have all this money to build weapons of mass destruction, why don't we have more of a protection for our veterans? It's, it's, it's ridiculous that they don't have money. It's ridiculous that they don't have as much services more in, in the mental health uh, realm as they should. You know, it's, not, it's just not enough. And um, that's my aspects about it. And I didn't get to join the military because I had to make a life choice in which that intertwines that earlier in the conversation where I came into New York in uh, 97, um, I was pregnant with my son. So I had to make a choice and the choice was other, I, I don't have my son. I was three days from being sworn in and um, my mm. physical came back that I was pregnant and I had to make a choice whether years of building my body, my, my mentals, my emotion to go serve this country or have my son. And we see where that went. Wow. I had my son came to the BX and now I'm here. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. I, that, like even just that, that choice and the weight of having to make a choice like that is again, speaking to your tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, it just, I did train so long for it. Even at 33, I still was gonna try to go back when the kids were a little older and just train myself again physically. But then, you know, they all looked at me like, can you not, this person's coming into presidency and I don't yeah, think that's a good idea. <laughs> and, um, and I get it and, and I didn't. And now, and it was the same voices from the first time that was like, yeah, don't, don't do it. Like you're here, we need you. And going away that long just doesn't make any sense. So I was like, all right, but I guess now I just drill them. I'm their drill sergeant. So I, I, I completed it in some way. <laughs> and would you say that some of that training, like even you, you talked a lot about like reframing your mindset and all that, how has that helped you in life in general outside? So you didn't go to the military, but you're a trained you know, you're trained. So like, yeah, training helped you outside of the military. A lot, you know, um, working in the medical field, it's the same. It's, you know, above you, the people that you need to talk to, who does what, it's like a small military. And um, 
I think that it just grew, it grew in my everyday life in the structure of my expectations of things and how I do work, you know, you, everything just, it falls into that play. It falls somehow, some way into the training of, I need that neat. I need that organized. I need that on the Excel spreadsheet. How many days before that time? It, it's so incredible how I can identify from the moment that a person leaves, how long before they're gonna get here and, and intertwine that multitask part. And it's, and it's a gift. I'm gonna give it a buck. I'm, gonna, it's, I'm not gonna to my own home, but it's a gift because that helps when you do meetings, when you need to be in so many places at once, you know, what the driving is, what's the traffic, shit like that. Like it's, it's really uh, crazy how my brain just, you know, does all that calculation at once. So how would you say you get to serve your country or community, I'll say slash community, um, even though you weren't able to do it through the vehicle of the military? I think that God had a purpose and it led me right to this very moment today and where there was something that was lacked in giving back to a large community and, and, and seeing that they lack that and offering myself to give that what they, they lacked. And, and it's been that part where I got fulfilled, you know, to see this little business grow into something so big and so impactful in the community and, or, and being part of that organizing and, and sustainability is, is just, it's, it's the fulfilling part that I was missing as far as the military and, you know, the humbleness of the same as the military, when they see you and you come home and they say, thank you. You know, when you, I always see a military person in their gear and I'm just like, thank you, because they don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm hearing that now, like, just thank you. You know, you're still here, you're still doing stuff, you know, and you know me, I don't like to try to be in the public eye as, as my counterpart but I like to be behind the scenes and just making sure shit's running right. And that's fulfilling for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so, but you're so good at it. You know what I mean? Like you're so good at keeping it together. So it makes sense that a lot of that training allows you to navigate these difficult spaces as you were preparing yourself to literally navigate war. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I think it's really admirable. And I even love the piece around you always having this dream to be in the military because usually when the way they stereotype women girl and young girls, your dream should have been nowhere near something with the military. I, I would love to hear a little bit more about like, you know, little Carmen and like, what, how, how can we flesh that out? More? You know, growing up in the nineties as a teenager, it is, it was, of course, like every girl is just like, I'm just trying to be in this next hip hop video, you know, or mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, you know, get married, have kids and walk down this aisle. And me being the one about the military is just like, I want to be the first woman to do something that they didn't allow a woman to do in the military. You know, it was like, I want to be the first golden knight jumping out of an airplane. I want to be the first Navy SEAL, you know, to, to go down and, and do whatever quest or, or, or duty that has to be done. Um, I, I just wanted to be the first woman to do something in the military. And I guess that was my dream. Like, you know, women can do what men do. I don't give a crap how you might see that, but like, I, I know women have such more 
perseverance and strength to conquer something and then some from the male, not diminishing the male in any kind of way, but just like, we're, 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 we're a little bit more of a, a alien aspect, you know, like if we can burst out a child, a human life <laughs> and cater to it, then damn it, I can build a plane too. Why does it have to be a man, you know? Uh, and that's just how I saw it in, in that, te- you know, that 15 year old me, like, girl, bye, you about to go build this plane, let's get it. But instead I build a life, you know. And how did, how did um, you getting pregnant lead you to New York though? Like, cause you said that you were in Florida, right? So, so- you know, growing up in a Pentecostal home, the last thing you want to do is roll up on your mom on the exact same thing they try to prevent you from doing. <laughs> although, although I was emancipated, I emancipated myself when I was uh, 16, legally, uh, and I left uh, to live life in Florida, just be my independent person, just because I, I, much as I love my siblings, it just wasn't my duty to raise them. And I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of what I wanted to do in my life was taken from me and that old you know, way of being. I I'm like, bro, how can we be better if we still keep in this vicious cycle of this is what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a woman at home with kids and, and cooking and cleaning. I'm not going to find a marido because if I don't know how to cook and clean and well, I can cook and clean and I want to freaking build an airplane too. Like, like mm-hmm. why can't I do that? And I just felt that my parents at its time did not understand that and they didn't get that, you know, and that's okay, you know, and I just emancipated myself, but somewhere down that line, you know, I got pregnant and that's okay too. It led me to who I am today. And I don't think that I would change the, the process, the struggle and the, the stress and the, the hurt. I, I will do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. You're a tough cookie, Carmen. <laughs> no, I'm really, I try. I try. I, I try. I'm inspired by it. Also, just also because it's inspirational to hear, but also even the way in which you speak about it. It's so resolved. Like you sound so resolved with everything that has happened with your life. And that's not to say that, you know, not to take away from any continued work or emotional progress that you're doing with like corners of your life, but like you're doing a hell of a job. You're doing mm-hmm. trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to validate <laughs> and I keep I keep like throwing out these positive affirmations your way aggressively and we'll continue to do so just because I think it is so important, especially when you see people who like you who are movers and shakers behind the scenes, right? Which to me, honestly, like the behind the scenes is the front of the scenes because without the behind the scenes, the front of this, there is no front. There's no tell it, girl. It's just the mess. Them photos and video ain't gonna take themselves. Right. Exactly. <laughs> do not happen without the behind the scenes, and so I think like it is important to under to to understand like the amount of work that goes into really doing passion work because it sounds like what you did was you you accepted the way the universe was going you owned your choices you moved far and hard into your choices and as the world has evolved for you in your life and like you know we don't we don't have to get into the details but like you made it from being a mom and then you made it to Montefiore you're running a whole thing and then you were doing that as a mom crazy um and transitioning no for real a mom of three a mom of three and and how old are you you don't mind me asking how old are are uh elijah come here this is the, the reason why I moved to New York. 
Oh, this is. <laughs> uh, the reason why I moved to New York mostly is I had some family here, but I didn't want my children to be raised in a small town where everybody knows your name. It wasn't mm -hmm. very healthy for me. And I wanted them to experience life because that's what's going to give them that hard ass to continue in life. So, mm -hmm. okay, you just easy to put your face in there. Speaking in the phrase. What's up? Nice. Hi. Yeah. This is my oldest, the whole reason why I'm here. La cara igualita la mai. Tiene la cara. I think so. those cheekbones. He got the, no, he got he the, got the cheekbones. cheekbones. They all got the cheekbones. They're not here right now, but. They're off at, at Six Flags, but they, they they all got the cheekbones. Yeah. These are those, those Cuban cheekbones. That's <laughs> but really, no, and really, so the point to what I'm saying is, is just that it's it's important to, to celebrate the amount of work that people like you do to get where they're at and understand the progression. Because I think we live in a world where people lack the substance of understanding people's story and they just step into a space and they take people for who they are in the moment and don't give people their due don't talk mm -hmm. respect on people's name and listen at the end of the day like you're as tenacious as you are but that doesn't mean that you get to skip other people's bullshit and other people like and being a woman running any business period I don't care I'm pulling the card being a woman and then being a woman of color entering these spaces and having these conversations and yeah you know like you're not the front person but you're sitting at these tables you're right there and you're experiencing mm -hmm. and there must mm -hmm. be you know some heat that sometimes happen or awkward situations that you are out here navigating and so you are just as much as a master as the master that people might see on the front lines um so I just I'm just really grateful that you know to know you and I'm really grateful I've worked with you on certain things I really like part of the work you too guys trying to like don't make me tear my makeup no, girl but <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's necessary, and it's necessary to do so not just privately in our own little circles, but also publicly on our platforms to affirm like the people who we're with and you see us riding with is not just our cute ass little selfies and moments that y'all see on Instagram. These are people who have stories, who have worked really hard and deserve their flowers. They deserve yeah. their flowers. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you guys are the first one to give me these flowers and I love you so much. <laughs> I love you guys so much. And I, I really do appreciate it. I usually don't uh, accept to do podcasts, but I mean, look at these faces. Like, I honestly <laughs> can't say no to these guys. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, I appreciate your thoughts and I appreciate your words. And, and, and I just, you know, overjoyed with gratitude. Thank you. Sure. So, yeah, we're, you know, that the last sort of question that I want to wrap with is, that we've been wrapping with so far with this segment is if if people should or should not join the military why or why not in your opinion um i would never probably say why not uh i think everyone should follow what they feel and dream um i just think for the u.s government you know you have to do better you know, and that's that's where that's at with the military. Follow your dreams. If that's what you feel, that means you'll be that highly decorated officer that comes home and makes your family proud. And 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 as far as the U.S., you, you, you need to give more to your people who fight for you. You need to mm -hmm. take some of that, 
you know, nuclear weapon money and, and really pay uh, even after when they're unenlisted, you know, and that's where it becomes. It's like they, they, they just need to pay, you know, and, and do right. Yeah, I literally, like, I've had this, my, my newly found, like, obsession with veterans and veteran rights, and also just even seeing what Trump was trying to do in the military with the trans community, like, when that started happening, I was like, oh, that's crazy, but also even, even outside of the trans community, there's a lot of lack, and it's, and it goes beyond, like, race, gender, and all that, just all of the people who have made this life choice to serve our country are always shitted on even after they've done the work. Like even after mm -hmm. they've fulfilled. It's more after they've done the work. And that's what sucks even more. You know, like I literally spend 50 years in the military and all I get every month is $400 and a wheelchair. Like that's just not, I don't think that that's a, a good retirement plan and it just sucks and it, it we could do better. We need to do better. You need, they need to really sit at that table with the people, with everyone and really have that conversation, you know? A hundred percent. Carmen, this has been fucking fruitful. Um, oh, thank you. Let us know where can we follow you, find you, any up and coming things we should be looking out for. Um, I would say you can find me on the IG at bxqueen718 um what you can be looking forward is uh now that you know things are a little bit in some type of order uh at bronx native i will be doing real estate uh come 2021 so come on. Um, the real estate that i would like to offer in the future is those platforms where people can come not only to my real estate company and say hey i'm looking for an apartment or a house but to give them the resources of getting their stuff in order to own stuff instead of you know going out here and that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also having a, a little bit of you know the do-it-yourself a lot of people just google the DIYs. Uh, i would like to have workshops at the space to show them how to do something as simple and less you know hurtful on the pocket with a gallon of paint and and finesse you know so that's for 2021 for myself of what i'm working on and my dream i love to fix it up and i'm about to fix them up <laughs> Let's do it. That sounds great. It's like, honestly, because this real estate comment, I love, like, you came with the real estate talk before, and you're like, and by the way, to back it up, I'm helping y'all motherfuckers do it. And mm -hmm. this is why yeah, yeah, yeah. you, and I love the way you fucking move, because you- Thank you. You, you are absolutely- Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you so much. But stay tuned for that. It's going to start small. I like to do things where I have minimal errors, so- it's a little slower than I than than most, but at the end of it all, it's gonna be absolutely beautiful. Like just a platform where people can come and have under one roof, you know, hey, where do you wanna go buy your house? Oh, I don't know, but Casita Carmen is gonna tell us. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go over there. Mm -hmm. you know, come on, Casita it. Carmen. <laughs> 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 gonna have the white version of Celia Cruz come out like, oh, I love it. I love it. Cannot wait to see it and join in because, like, I, I low key, I have this 
little Park Chester apartment that I'm still paying my mortgage on, but all this is not supposed to be my You property. own it though, boo. That's yes. what matters. You know, wow. own it. I'm, coming, I'm coming for property numero dos, so I'm gonna come to Casita Carmen for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh -huh. definitely. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on. And what was the third question? No, no, just, yeah, you actually answered oh. the handles. Was okay. Up. Yes. You are on it. I'm that's um, it. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Y'all can find us at Ladies Who Bruncher on Instagram, Ladies Bruncher on Twitter, Julissa with an H, Julissa at Instagram and the real skittles with a Z at the end on Instagram. Amazing. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, bronche. <laughs>